Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, the Addicted, and the Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. Every day I get to help women rise and find their own healing despite their circumstances. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. If you're looking for just betrayal topics, catch me on my former podcast where there are four years of golden content, all for free at your fingertips. All right, let's do this. Okay. I am back talking to Kyle Barth and we are talking about co-parenting and the tips he's going to give are going to help us if it's not going well. And if it's going well, these are going to be great tips to do it even better. And so as a reminder, Kyle was here with me uh, talking about divorce and he's a licensed relationship therapist who's also divorced. Um, and through his, though a divorce was never in his plans, just like most of us, um, he earned a master's degree from OSU with a thesis focused on divorce and co-parenting. His goal as a relationship therapist is to help others experience confidence by building safe, secure, and connected relationships, whether that's in a marriage relationship or not. He uses trauma-informed therapy practices and create to create a safe space of healing, honesty, and growth for those who are ready to rewrite the script of their story. Uh, he loves spending time with the kids and is an outdoor enthusiast and avid basketball fan and loves to read books. So um, I'm happy to have you back and thank you for choosing this topic. This is really a topic that uh, I don't feel like I can be an expert in at all. Um, my co-parenting has worked out for the most part. And uh, so for those, I know that it's maybe more common. <laughs> unfortunately that it's not working out right now. And so that's why you're here because you are more of an expert uh, than, than I am. <laughs> so <laughs> um, happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. So I have a, a quick, like start off the question mm -hmm. when you stepped into that world of divorce and here you are doing it in your own life, not just helping other people. Did it go smoothly or what, was there anything you would do different? Like personally, is that mm -hmm. what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's always things I do different. <laughs> um, of course, I think, um, you know, going through a divorce and being in that situation is not pleasant. Um, no matter how well things might be going, there there's kind of this misnomer of like, we had a good divorce. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a real thing. Like the research says it's not actually, <laughs> doesn't actually exist. There's certainly bad divorces, I would say, yeah. or things that cause a lot of harm. Um, but there's not this thing of like, yeah, it's not going to have any long-term effects on you or your kids or anyone else around you. Like it, it will, and that's okay. So I think it did help um, kind of ground me to know like what the resources, what traps not to fall into, um, I won't say that always prevented me from not falling into those traps like mm -hmm. or having an emotional or reactive moment or something because I'm a human, just yep. like we all are. And so, yeah, there's things, whether it's looking back at the divorce process or even things with co-parenting that, yeah, I would do different. And I think one of the biggest things is 
being able to acknowledge that and own that as opposed to like getting defensive or just critical and kind of projecting my own insecurities or fears out on my co-parent. Like, why didn't you, you're just like, just own it and be like, you know what? Like I dropped the ball there and that wasn't okay. I didn't show up how I wanted to in that moment. And I'm, I'm sorry. That wasn't all right. Even if I think, you know, my co-parent had a role to play in this Mm because we both do just own my part and take ownership and responsibility and set aside all my stuff, all her stuff, all our stuff. And be like, you know what, this is about our kids that we both love and that we both want the best for. And so that kind of doesn't matter. Like I can own my part for my kids right now. Oh, see. And I think that is the, the biggest part of this for me, at least is I've had those moments where I've had to apologize or, Mm -hmm. you know, let me start over. Um, or just straight gratitude for mm-hmm. him doing the same, you know, yeah. um, there's plenty of moments where, especially in the beginning, their emotion was tied into my decision-making, mm-hmm. um, or my frustration or re- resentments towards the behavior. And, and now looking, you know, we're two and a half years in, I look at it and think, okay, I, I do stuff too. And, um, when, when I can actually look in a mirror and say, you know, I want him, why isn't he doing this? Why is he? And then I go, wait, I'm also doing something similar. And so it's kind of that self-check of if I want someone to show up a certain way, I better start showing up in that way as well. And so I love the idea of just, it's about the kids and that is the basics of it. And when it starts, it's, what you're describing of being that kind co-parent is really hard when you feel rejected and you feel hurt. And maybe you've even been financially hurt. Mm-hmm. And I know for a lot of the women I get to work with, a lot are left with like, I don't know what to do now. I don't have a job. I don't have a backup plan. And so it's so much emotion and and fear and depression. Mm-hmm. And then you mix in, let's get along. <laughs> Yeah, try to make this work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, wait, we're supposed to be cordial. Like, how am I supposed to forget what you did two weeks ago? Or we have last year and the spot that I'm in now. And, and it's hard. And the one thing I'll, I think this is just really important to acknowledge um, is safety is always the priority. So if there's someone that's experiencing, like whether there was a past history of abuse, whether it be physical abuse, emotional, psychological abuse, financial abuse, like there's resources and support available. You're not in that situation alone, like reach out to a therapist, to a qualified coach, reach out to an attorney and, and make sure you get the support and help that you need in those situations. And, and sometimes the, like the financial or emotional, psychological side, that's what's more tricky or challenging that maybe other people don't see that can continue and be happening. And it's hard to parcel out sometimes to know, like, is this my own reactivity Or is this someone intentionally manipulating and controlling me or putting the kids in the middle of this? And so you're not alone and don't try to navigate those things alone. Like there's support and help out there. So I think that's important to acknowledge and, you know, let people know I see you like those are impossible situations to be in. Yeah. Okay. So let's say I'm stepping into the this world of Mm co-parenting and maybe things didn't end well. So there's still emotion there. We have not processed and grieved 
that yeah. actual process, but yet you still have to show up mm-hmm. as a co-parent. And so you're doing a lot of things at once in the beginning. Yeah. And so you're unpacking, you, you might be in therapy and letting go of things. And maybe you've started a new job or you live in a new home. And also you don't have your kids all the time, or maybe you have them all the time and you have a co-parent who's not taking their, yeah. you know, they're just so many dynamics. And I, yeah. I've found there's really not anyone that's the same and yep. every situation is so different. So um, what would be just some like beginnings tips? Like you said, don't fall into these traps. What are some of the traps? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that happens before I directly answer your question that makes this challenging, Pauline Boss talks about the concept of ambiguous loss. And sometimes there's things that we grieve that are blatantly obvious. One of the things that happens when you're going through divorce is like sometimes the relationship, like you, you're married, you're together. And it's like, it didn't feel like it was there, like, but the person was physically present, but like psychologically absent, right. Or that wasn't consistently there. Now you get divorced and going through that process. Sometimes what can happen is like, well, now they're not physically present, but they're more psychologically present than they've ever been in my life. Like, as I'm thinking about parenting or co-parenting and the divorce and all these past things. And so it's like almost more overwhelming can feel that way. And it's a different part of the grief process that's not readily acknowledged. And so giving your space, self space to actually grieve that, that loss. And that can be sometimes like the divorce can be traumatic and I'm having like traumatic grief associated with this. So I think like start, there's a lot of things that you can do to help. Like emotional regulation is a big thing, grounding yourself, keeping yourself present, find what works for you. If yoga or deep breathing or hiking or something doesn't work. You may have just picked up a hammer and you need a screwdriver. Let's help you find the right tool that works for you. Right. (laughs) Yes. Um, And then I I think sometimes it can be as simple as like helping train. This actually isn't simple. It's never that simple, but like helping train your brain to learn to do things differently. So this could be like, if I'm right-handed, I'm going to start brushing my teeth with my left hand. I'm going to drive a different way to work every single day. Like I want to train my brain to think differently and not just like go with the flow and just be in the motion of things like, so I can be more intentional and slow down and making sure you have that trusted third party that you can go to that is going to be honest with you. It's probably not your parents or your best friends, or definitely don't let it be your kids and other people that you can turn to. That's going to be honest with you. That can help keep you grounded. That can help say, you know what, Kyle, I think you're actually contributing to this, or this is about you or, um, this is what's happening. You may need to hold a boundary here and to help navigate that. I think those things are really important. Um, And then there's a lot of just ways to approach the relationship with co-parenting that we can talk about that can help shift the perspectives. Um, One thing, this like changed my paradigm. This is when I was in graduate school and I was doing um, in-depth interviews, qualitative interviews with um, co-parents who are going through divorce. They'd already taken like their court mandated co-parenting class and, you know, they were divorced or just about to have it finalized. And I was following up with them again and just really doing these in-depth interviews to understand like what facilitates positive co-parenting behaviors. And I'll never forget what one of these parents said. They said, Kyle, as I was sitting in the class and I was hearing someone else talk, another parent, they're like, my first thought was like, can they hear themselves right now? Oh, wow. 
And it almost allowed them to see themselves Yep. because they saw someone else. And then their next thought was like, I can't let that be me. (laughs) I'm not some saint and she's not some sinner. I have to work on my own stuff for the sake of my kids. And as like, whoa, that's powerful, right? Being able to make the shift instead of like, they're the problem. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, okay, what can I control? What can I do different? And I got to find a way to make this work because I don't want to be that person. <laughs> like, yeah. And for them, like, I don't think comparison is always helpful, but sometimes hearing someone else's experience can be eye-opening and yes. healing for many reasons. And the research aligns with that, especially with divorce. Well, and that's, um, that's why I love group atmosphere because you are learning without realizing you're going into it for that. Um, just hearing other people's stories, like you said, and, and learning from the way things didn't work out and saying, okay, I would see where I could do it different. Um, that's really interesting. And, and I do think, um, I have, I definitely have had moments where I've wanted it to be fair. And so we're going to follow the decree and there is no wiggle room Mm -hmm. because that's what we agreed to. And that is now legal, you know, and binding. And as the years have gone by, we've both gotten a little more lenient and, and accommodating, I would say to each other and needs. So um, for instance, something like, Hey, uh, last minute, can I, in the next week, we know we do every other week, Monday to Monday. So 50% custody. And there's not a ton of times, maybe a handful of times a year where we adjust, Hey, is it okay if we bring the kids a night early or, or they can come, you know, at this time. And it takes a minute and you have to think it through. Um, but we usually always accommodate each other because they're, when I zoom out enough, and I know he does this too, if it's not affecting my life in a major way, I can do it because it allows me to be with my kids and I can in turn help this other person who's taking care of my kids and who I once spent, you know, time with. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's sometimes in those it, they feel big in the beginning and then they become these little things um, where I can help out and I can do this because it means I get to be with my kids. However, mm-hmm. I will say on the flip side of that, I've had moments and I don't know if you've had these moments where I've struggled to, I want to show up for my kids and I don't want to feel the mom guilt, but also this doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm going to look like a really bad mom if I say no. Mm -hmm. And so I, I definitely have those moments where it's not necessarily this emotional it's against him. It's, it really doesn't fit into my schedule or my life to accommodate. And now I feel like I have to work through the feelings of he's going to take it as this. And I'm really just not available. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's a lot of mind game <laughs> sometimes yeah. of working through that. And a lot of times it's alone. It's me just processing and figuring things out and making the decisions um, yeah. rather than bringing in all the friends and <laughs> what do yeah. you think? And what should I do? 
information overload is a thing. Um, And I think sometimes like co-parenting and divorce can feel like, all right, you just jumped on this roller coaster. Here's a Rubik's cube. Solve this in the next 30 seconds. And oh yeah, keep your hands and feet inside at all times. Like, like, what? (laughs) What just happened? (laughs) Um, And so I think sometimes it's like, it's creating win-win situations um, because if there's a win-lose and sometimes whether it's like fair or, you know, mm-hmm. like can things can get petty, it's ultimately if I'm making a situation where I want the other parent to lose, my kids are losing. Yeah. Like that is hurtful and harmful to them. And even if one of us didn't show up in the best way in one moment, like safety is the priority always, like, mm-hmm. right? Um, parental alienation, for example, is not okay. Um, and being able to take a step back to say, okay, what actually is going to be most helpful for my kids is maintaining a cordial, respectful, business-like relationship mm-hmm. with my co-parent that we can work in the best interest for our kids long-term. And so being able to take a step back and recognize, like, as you're saying, like, this isn't a crisis. Number one, I don't need to respond to this text message or this email right now. No one's dying. Their heart's beating. There's not an emergency. Nothing needs a response right now. I can take a step back and respond on my own terms to slow down, emotionally regulate, reground myself, think through what do I value? What really matters to me? Can I do this? Do I want to do this? Why? Why not? And then make a decision on how to show up and how to respond. And and sometimes, right, that you don't have to like call them and say it. Maybe it's an email or maybe it's a text mm-hmm. message. Um to be able to do those things. And, and when I think of like business-like relationships, especially for those people who are like, it'd be great if I could talk to my co-parent, if they'd be willing to like say, yeah, you can bring the kids over one night earlier. Or like, I'm terrified mm-hmm. to ask. Yeah, <laughs> uh, It's being able to think of it like in this business-like relationship of you don't have to be friends to do business with someone. You don't even have to like the person. Sometimes you do have this respectful interactions with each other cordial you're working together in the best interest for a shared goal in this case your kids and so i can take the emotion out of this i can just stick to the facts stick to the situation ground myself in that present moment and be respectful and communicate directly in that way where again it's not about me it's not about you. It's about the kids and we can focus on what's in the best interest of them. And that's really hard to do. And this is where sometimes those third parties can be really helpful to help even say, Hey, here's this email. What do you think about how I wrote this? Like, mm-hmm. which how- I've done with that with friends. They've sent me the email and said, is this too much? Or, yeah. you know, it's sometimes it's even with, um, I have girlfriends who are the stepmom, And so they're yeah. trying to co-parent with you know, their partner's ex and that gets really messy and, you know, two women fighting <laughs> between the skies, like, wait, what? Um, yeah. So uh, I know I've had friends who have included a third party, which is like, they're going to therapy and trying to figure things out. But then also we have this, they're going through lawyer and they're revising things and yep. it costs money and it's frustrating but um, I do have a, I have a couple of friends who are in situations where there is a lot of emotion that they really try to take out. They have to feel it. Right. And they're frustrated yeah. and they're, they're yeah. venting. And then they really try to show up so healthy, like the best way that you can worried about the kids. And it still goes bad. 
mm-hmm. and and it's just it's I see it for my my girlfriends who are the stepmoms. They're tired, mm-hmm. and it's it's so hard for them to see their partner showing up and being so defeated week after week and being, you know, down on that. And so what do you say to those people who are really, really trying? And there's the other side is, is definitely showing up more like a 12 year old, you know, full of emotion, full Mm -hmm. of punishments and what they think might be boundaries kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, like when the the hard part, I think I want to acknowledge this part first is especially when there's a partner introduced, meaning like remarriage or dating or something, it's easy for that other person to want to jump in to co-parent or to help with the communication. And that is rarely helpful. Um, And so there's a lot of emotion in keeping that co-parenting dynamic between the two parents Um, and, and kind of cordial, respectful, and how can we help be supportive to our partner and supportive to the kids, but maintaining, I think those roles is typically more helpful. Um, And every situation you said earlier is so unique Mm -hmm. um, and so diverse. It's hard for me to say like, here's this where I'd really need to sit down with someone to understand all the ins and outs of all the dynamics of their situation. So this is not like a umbrella, here's your solution. Um, But then I think with, with this too, it's recognizing I don't have all the information like I have my perspective, I'm looking at this mountain range and I've heard how my partner has described this mm-hmm. and they probably painted a story a certain way and painted this mountain, right? And I can see this and now I can walk outside. The other person can see the same mountain paint, a picture that is also accurate, but different than the other person. So who's right and who's wrong. Mm-hmm. And now we're just butting heads and in constant conflict as opposed to being able to work together in what's best interest of the kids. Because sometimes... I can show up and I can own my part Mm -hmm. and I can even just say, Hey, I I'm not okay with you bringing the kids back at whatever time you want. Like it, that can't just continue to happen. Um, and then they're like, yeah, I don't care. (laughs) And they just keep doing it anyway. And it's like five o'clock and they're like, you're just, she's just so unreasonable. She doesn't understand anything. She just can't deal with her own stuff. Like, what's the big deal? It's like 45 minutes difference every time. Like she's just home anyway. Right. And it's kind of just blame shifting, gaslighting. They can't take responsibility for their own stuff. And so they're lighting fires and putting it on the other person. And when you're there, the other person, their partner, it can be easy to jump on board with that of like, yeah, they are the problem. Right. Cause now they're emotionally attached. Yeah. As opposed to being able to see, oh, actually, I think we're part of the problem. Maybe we need to own our own stuff and approach this differently. Um, and yeah, they're not perfect, but we can't control them. What can we can control? And in situations where things really aren't working, part of it's like, unless there's a safety concern, um, it's how can I detach? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> this is just going to happen. This sucks. I hate it. I'm going to let go and focus on what's within my control. And that's really the only thing I can do. And I'm going to show up in this way. And this can happen with like parenting routines of this is really important to me, but it's not important to the other parent. And so they, maybe they're intentionally doing things that they know upsets the other parent, right? Mm. And there's all this weird dynamics and it's like, okay, I just got to let go of that. Like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if my kid wears sandals to school in December, like that's (laughs) stupid. And 
there, yeah, I, just, I definitely can relate to some of those things where I'm like, it felt so important. Mm-hmm. And then when you pull out, it's like, okay, it's not. Um, yeah. I like that. And the detachment and um, I've even had a friend who said, you know, I can't, I can't emotionally show up for you in this supportive way. If you cannot show up in a, you know, that detached way from your ex-partner, because it's that they get pulled in right to old patterns. And like you said, they know the buttons to push. And so it's hard for a new partner to watch and it gets the, you know, they're drained and, uh, um, but I think so detachment for me. Yeah. I, I love the idea that people can hang out with their ex and they're all friends and such. I would consider my former partner, a friend, and even my boyfriend considers him a friend, but we don't hang out. Um, We'll sit by each other at events with the kid, you know, for the kids and things, but that's as far as we go. We don't really talk emotions. We don't know a ton going on in each other's lives. Um, I do best when I don't follow him on social media. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't like him. I it's not, I don't block him or anything. It's just like, oh no, when I stay in my world, I'm great. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's a healthy thing for me. Um, yeah. But it doesn't work for everyone. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's like way more detached than that works. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I have other friends who are super close and they're still best friends with their ex while still trying to both date new people. And I think like we talked in the beginning, every dynamic is so different and I can see the pitfalls of each one (laughs) and Mm -hmm. pros and cons. And uh, I don't know that there is the best way to go about it other than really whatever your situation is focusing on safety and kids and, and their emotional health and, and how it's affecting them. So um, what do you what do you recommend to, since we were talking about co like bringing in another partner, um, what does that even look like if you are doing it? Because I feel like we talked about it beforehand. Once I brought in my boyfriend, he's more helping me behind the scenes, but he's never been a part of let's talk this out as a three adults for the children kind of situation, but I don't think he doesn't feel left out. It's not, mm-hmm. it, you know, he gets to be a part of their lives in my home. Yeah. Um, is there kind of a, this is the best way to start approaching one of us or both of us have a new partner. Yeah, that is a very complicated dynamic where we're talking about blending. Um mm-hmm. And so there's not, I think there's really unhelpful ways to go about this um, or ways that aren't like in the best interest of a co-parent. So like lying or manipulating, or I'm going to do whatever I want, no matter what you think. Um, like th- that's not going to be helpful because that's about me. It's not about mm-hmm. what's in the best interest of the kids. And so I think no matter what stage you're at, it's recognizing what your relationship is with your co-parent. And it's going to ebb and flow. Like sometimes things might be going great. It's like, we were like still really good friends. And then they started dating someone and now I can't even talk to them. Mm -hmm. Or now like one of our kids is getting married and it's a nightmare again. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like all these different transitions can just bring out that loss, that grief, the emotions again to go through that. Um, But I, I think 
when you can focus on the parenting is between the parents, even with like blended family dynamics, like if the new spouse or girlfriend, boyfriend, if they're going to be the one jumping in, I'm going to start parenting your kids or the other person's kids and making decisions. That's not going to go well. That's not necessarily their role. It doesn't mean they're not involved or a part of that, but that should go through the parent and being more of a supportive figure up front initially mm -hmm. and just focusing on how can I be a good role model? How can I help a healthy relationship? What are the boundaries and what does that look like? And how can I help support the other parent in parenting and support them in co-parenting as well? Yeah. Whether that's seeing like, okay, no, this doesn't align with our values. We have a different boundary here or, you know, cause here's where the other tricky thing gets in. It's like, well, this was working for us before. It's like, well, now your <laughs> partner's not okay with that. So now what? And, you know, that's something you got to work out with your partner. And then you got to have that conversation with your co-parent if something's going to change or adjust and not in a way that's like, here's what's happening and we're going to do this. Like this is now changed, but in a way that can be more, hey, we and and ideally, if there's that cooperative relationship, you can have that conversation of, hey, this is what's changed. This is what's happening. And this is really difficult. Um this is what I'm worried about. This is what I want to work in the best interest of our kids. What do you think about this? Yeah. Right. And get their input and have it be a dialogue as opposed to like, we're going to do this and I hope you're okay with it. Yeah. Um, that's going to be been interesting because that's where I'm at in my relationship is, is the dialogue and, mm -hmm. and, you know, we were raised very different. And so to see how he's watching us parent and like, you guys are really emotional, like we allow our kids to be very emotional and, yeah. and that is very different and not as hard on them. Um, maybe as, but he lets us like, he sits back and he watches, um, but yeah. he's more of the, can I fall <laughs> into you when I'm frustrated and just like, <sighs> just breathe and you don't have to fix it and you don't have to do anything. That's, that's yeah. more of the role that uh, seems to be working. Um, yeah. Okay. So, Last tips, I guess I would um, ask for um, if things are going good, if things are not going good, what, where can we can kind of pause and maybe reflect and say, where can do things need to shift? And maybe you have some tips on maybe do we check in every once in a while with ourselves and see where we're at? Is there something like that? That's a good idea. Yeah, I think it's always self-reflection is always helpful. Um, right. If you've been looking at what can I do different? I think a couple of things, like a couple of questions, maybe to ask yourself, um, to look at that can be kind of jarring. One is, do I love my kids more than I hate my co-parent or my ex? Oh, okay. And yeah. I think people's answer to that is like, of course I love my kids. The next question is, do my actions reflect that? And a lot of times the actions don't reflect that. And that means you got something to own on your part. That doesn't mean I'm going to remove boundaries or right, but really look at that. And I think another question something to think about is what, what would my child want me to know about divorce that they're not telling me or that they can't communicate? And there's been some research studies done on that of kids like <clears throat> showing like, this is what I want to know. This is what I want you to hear. And 
sometimes that can be appropriate question to ask your kids. Like you don't need to like dig their emotions out of them and pry it out. And it's very different depending on their ages. But I think those are some good questions to, to ask um, and to look at, you know, are, am I creating a win-win situation um, for my kids? Cause that's what this is about is our relationship focused on the kids is this setting what's up in the best interest of our kids. Mm. Um, those can be some things to look at, to try and navigate, to help things go well, go different. Um, where there, there's so much to uh, co-parenting. There's so many things like we could do hours of tips to help things go well and co-parenting relationships, how to help your kids, how to navigate these things and things aren't going well. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, do I love my kids more than I hate my co-parent or my ex? And does that reflect? Does it shows? Yeah, I love that. It's a really simple check-in mm-hmm. to reflect and to maybe take ownership or just make some changes. Um, and I do like the idea I have asked my kids and it is always surprising to me a lot of the, because I didn't experience divorce as a child to hear, you know, what's stressing them out, whether it's cleaning both rooms every week or, you know, they double the chores kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's, I like hearing those things every once in a while over dad's at this, at dad's house, this. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And we don't play that game, but they definitely tried it in the beginning for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you so much, Kyle, for Welcome. taking the time to help us so that we can all show up um, and make our future selves proud, make our kids proud. Hopefully they see one day how hard we are all working to co-parent in a more healthy way for them. Yeah. Yeah, of course. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for being here with me today, whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email.